Last week, I, there was something going on. I didn't know where it was coming from. I couldn't figure it out because it was behind me. Anything behind you, leave it behind you, right? <laughs> leave it behind you. Don't go looking for it. And uh, otherwise, it's going to cause you to be distracted. But this week, no, no mic issues. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's what I titled tonight. We're continuing on in our study. Um, now what? The awaiting of the Holy Spirit and just believing that as we walk through this series and we unveil the look of the Holy Spirit and what he is doing and what he had done in those disciples that we would encounter him more and more. But as we are waiting to encounter him, we don't want to miss what he is doing because here's the thing about us as humans we tend to preconceive what it looks like when the holy spirit works we tend to preconceive how he should move when he should move what type of song should cause him to move what type of prayer should cause him to move and so much we are caught up in our own ideology that we forget and not, excuse me, that's not right. Not that we forget, we miss what he is actually doing because we are so caught up in, in how it should look. And so tonight I, I want to kind of pick up from where I left off Sunday morning because I, I, I didn't finish my notes. There were several pages to follow. I, I thought there was four more pages to go and there was five. And, and um, so I thought, you know what? Some of those things that um, were... In my notes from Sunday morning, I'll pick up and unpack over the next few weeks, Bible study style. And, uh, but you know what? We have to obey the, the, the voice of the Lord. Just because we have notes and just because the Lord has prepared us, you know, and, and, and while, uh, you're, you know, while I'm sitting down making my notes or preparing a sermon, all along I'm praying, okay, Lord, you lead me. Okay, now, Lord, what should I say? Lord, I don't understand this. You have to help me to understand this. And, and I'm working through it, right? So when everything is said and done, you believe that that's exactly how God would have you to deliver. I promise you, I promise you that as the Lord is preparing me and teaching me and walking me through, nine times out of ten, the delivery is not exactly how it's laid out. And only I would know because I see what I have written down, right? So for me, Sunday morning, it wasn't necessarily about finishing the notes. All of a sudden, there was that moment in the service where I felt a shift. Pastor Dino uh, felt a shift. It, he brought it up afterwards. He says, when such and such happened, and, and I says, well, I, I know that I, I felt a shift. And what had happened to me was I sensed a shift. And when I looked down at my notes, all I saw was letters. I didn't see my notes as they were written. And so um, I just saw the letters of just letters. And so I knew the Lord was wanting to do something. So we have to obey. We have to obey the Spirit's leading. Uh, just because that happened on Sunday that way, does that mean that that's now the formula of what it looks like? No. We obey the spirit as he moves. And um, all that to say, don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because you're caught up in this is how it looks. And so we want to see that tonight. Don't be a spectator. 
but be a diver, one that's willing to dive in. Have you ever gone to a pool party in your life? Or have you ever gone to a beach and you walk into the waters and they feel just a little bit cold and so you're taking it slow and the people that you're with say, oh, just dive in. Once you get under the water, you won't feel it as cold. So let's not be spectators, but let's dive in and fully surrender ourselves to the moving of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives. That is what I feel is key. When we are in church, when we are in home, when we are in our car, that we are creating that atmosphere of worship in our life, that we are constantly talking and having communion with the Lord. And as we are doing this, he's going to move and those around us get the overflow. They get the overflow. One Sunday morning, March 2017, um, we, I was doing uh, children's ministry in, in the church that I was in at the time. And um, so we were doing this series called Faith Case. And Faith Case series for children is building the foundations of our faith. It's teaching the children the fundamentals of the Bible. So they know why they are saved. They know why they believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They know. And so we, we are worked through teaching them all of the foundations of the faith and um, this one Sunday, nothing was going right. I promise you, everything that could go wrong went wrong. The computer wasn't working, and the Faith Case series was computer-driven, so you needed the media, you needed the, the, the screen to, to uh, present the, the, the Bible stories and uh, present the scriptures and the game aspect. It was all integrated, computer wasn't working then got the computer working but the projector didn't work then the internet didn't work and I was like oh my lord Jesus you have to help us this is not going well anyway by God's grace um, we were able to get things going enough to to teach the lesson but the kids had jelly beans in their pants I mean, they had ants in their pants. They were squirming. Who wasn't unsettled? Okay, settle down now. Now stop your talking. And, and, you, and it was just a morning like, but Lord, right? So anyways, the lesson that morning was on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, proving to kids and helping them to understand the aspect of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so with all of this pandemonia that was going on and the settle down and be still and sit down and, and stop, I wondered if the lesson was even getting across. Were we getting anywhere? The lesson winds down and um, I said to the kids, well, we're just going to, to pray. We're just going to close this time with prayer. And, um, you know, and I encouraged them, let's pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, baptize you. So we put a song on for them. And it went very, very quiet. And you can hear quietly, dear Jesus. You know how children will pray. 
Dear Jesus, and quietly over here and quietly over there. But you could see the children as they were praying, they were seriously praying. That was about the most quietest and serious moment that they were in that whole morning. And uh, all of a sudden, in the front, there was a young man, and he decides that he's going to kneel down, and he's about 11. And he starts praying like this, oh, Jesus. And he gets a little louder as he's going. And I'm looking at him, and uh, I thought, oh, he, he's really getting blessed of the Lord. And as he begins to pray and, and now become a little bit louder, in his prayer, not that the volume of his voice meant anything. I'm just conveying that because it was growing up within him, this, you know, enthusiasm or, or this cry out to God. He begins to speak in tongues. And I was like, Marcus, that's it. That's it, Marcus. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but you just keep praying. And then another young man comes alongside. He's looking at him, you know. It was so cute. God bless them. Right? And so now they get to earnestly pray. And they're earnestly praying because they want to experience what he's experiencing because they're hearing it and they know that it's real. Right? And so then the one comes alongside, well, Within a few minutes, one, two, three, and four began to speak in tongues. These young men all linked, you know, praying like this. And they began to speak in tongues. Another girl about two behind, um, she was just there and crying and crying. And, and I went to her and I says, is everything okay? And she says, yes, yes, I, I was just praying. And, and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and because she had done something wrong that week at home. And, 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 and when, when I asked him to forgive me, all of a sudden I, I just felt Jesus. And, and, and then and I says, okay, well, you know what, sweetheart? You, you, you've done the right thing, and, and you've asked him for your, his forgiveness. Now, let's just ask for the Holy Spirit. She, she asked the Lord for the Holy Spirit, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the end of that morning, <laughs> there was 13 of them that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It Everything went wrong that morning. Everything went wrong that morning. I thought, Lord, can, can anything good come out of this morning? You know? And it, it's kind of like you get in that moment where you just say, okay, Lord, like I just give up. Sometimes we just have to do that. We just have to surrender it to the Lord. Whatever is holding us back from receiving all that God would have. I've, I've seen we're, we're um, praying for people and, and you know that the Lord is moving upon their heart. And they're holding back. And the reason why they're holding back is they don't understand what is coming forth and so because their human intellect can't make sense of it they restrain themselves if we can get them to that place of surrender the disciples were gathered in one place
place. They were there in one place, as the scripture says of verse 1 of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So this time period in which they had gathered is 10 days after Jesus had ascended. Jesus had gone to be with the Father. He commissioned them as his disciples. And in his commission, he he says to them that they are to go and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We know that that passage, uh, as it says um, in Acts chapter uh, 1, and it says that um, it is... Not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but, verse 8, 1, 1 chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus has commissioned them. He is ascending to the Father, but he has given them a directive, and the directive is this, go and wait. Go and wait. And this is where we, we have, we're talking on, in sun, on Sunday morning in that waiting aspect. Was the, was the word Holy Spirit something new to them? Was the, was the Holy Spirit somebody that they weren't um, familiar with? Was he a stranger to them? No, not necessarily so. Not necessarily so. They saw the power of the Holy Spirit continually working in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus. Wasn't it John who said when he was baptizing Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 32, and John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So they've been introduced to the power of the Holy Spirit. John testifies that he saw the Spirit descend upon him, and the Spirit came in the form of a dove, not that the Spirit is a dove, as a form of a dove. The disciples... um, They also experienced some of the power of the Holy Spirit when they stepped out and they were praying for people and and they were serving God in in the respects of praying for individuals. And they said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons. So they recognized that there was a power that was operating. And so this Holy Spirit that they were told to go and wait that the promise of the Holy Spirit would come. It wasn't something like brand new, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? There, there was some familiarity with him. They were, there was some familiarity of his maneuverings. The third point, the disciples heard Jesus promise a new coming work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the word of God? 
Isaiah 43:19. What does it say? I didn't give this to George, but it just came to me as I was just thinking of, of this passage. Isaiah 43:19 says, "Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert." Jesus promises a new coming of this Holy Spirit, and he said to them in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. So again, I ask, was the Holy Spirit a stranger to the disciples? No, not necessarily so. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So yes, the Holy Spirit heard Jesus's um, that promise that a new coming work of the Holy Spirit. The other thing is the disciples received the Holy Spirit in a new way. And we talked about this um, a few weeks back when Jesus appeared to them in the room. And in, in John chapter 20, one, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, verses 19 to 23, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then he said this. Oh, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. So right there, again, the introduction, again, another... Uh, um, Evidence of them knowing that, yes, there is a Holy Spirit. Them witnessing. I am sure when Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I am sure that there was a tangible sense within them. Just as you know when you are praying and you sense God right there beside you. Just as you know when you are driving and you are talking to the Lord as you are driving or when you are going about doing something, you know that you know God was in that moment. Just as you sensed it, so the disciples, I am sure, sensed when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that there was an inward knowing, a bearing witness of that Holy Spirit. And so, yes, they were aware of the Holy Spirit. He was not a stranger to them. The fourth thing is the disciples heard Jesus command them to wait for the promise of the baptism, that it would empower them to be witnesses. And this we want to make sure we have embedded. This Holy Spirit is to empower us to be that witness. Acts 1, 4 to 5, we 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be what? Baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, he went from breathing on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, to, and you will be baptized. Now, what is baptism? That is a full immersion. That is a full saturation. If I were to take a sponge and I were to put the sponge in water, in the sense that this is what baptism is, it's submersing. It is fully immersing that sponge in water, right? And so when he is saying you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, he is saying you will be fully immersed in him, the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you. And so that's, this is where we pick up from Sundays. What didn't they know? What didn't they know about the Holy Spirit? They knew these things that we just discussed, but what they didn't know was how long would they have to wait? How long would they have to wait I know when I was a young girl, and I've already said this as an illustration a few weeks back, several weeks back, whatever. Uh, when I first became hungry to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I began to pray. I was 13 years old, but I did not yet receive the Holy Spirit in the manner of speaking in tongues until I was 16. But I continually prayed. Every time I had an opportunity at an altar call, if I was at a special service where, where they were preaching in that respect, I watched friends get the baptism of the Holy Spirit before me, and I kept saying, Lord, why, why, why haven't I received? I had to wait. They didn't know how long they would have to wait. Perhaps in their minds they thought, well, he'll come as soon as Jesus descends. Because the Lord said he would not leave us comfortless. He wouldn't leave us alone. He wouldn't leave us as orphans. So for sure the Holy Spirit's going to come. As soon as he goes up, the Holy Spirit's going to be here. We could expect that. But that's not how it happened. It was a full 10 days after Jesus had ascended. Before the Holy Spirit came, they learned something called patience. It, one thing the word of God doesn't tell us is that there was any fighting while they were in that room waiting. 120 people, no fighting. <laughs> At least the word of God doesn't say it. But they were waiting and their patience was growing. And I'm sure as we have said many times, there was great discussion but when the day had fully come, as uh, the King James would say, when the day had fully come, that is when the Holy Spirit had come. What was that day? It was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost in, the Jew, um, in Hebrew is Shim Chath. Shim Chath Torah. Shim Chath Torah, and it means the joy of the law. So God used this moment to break them down, to, to get them into that place of, look, get outside of yourselves. Don't think, I, don't, I want you to get out of the formula of thinking this is how you do it. This is how it is done. I want you to get into that place of waiting on me. 
I want you to get into that place of, of worshiping me because I am sure that they began to discuss and reminisce as we have talked over and over about. And so in this place, remember, we don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. We get to find out that what? The gift of the Holy Spirit is something that is promised to us. The gift of the Holy Spirit is also worth waiting for. They were promised, go tarry in Jerusalem. Go and wait into, in Jerusalem until the promise comes. So we know as we're watching and we're making sure that we're not missing anything about the Holy Spirit. And we look at this text, we're saying, okay, it's a promise. It's something that God has promised me. If God has spoken something to your heart, if his word has confirmed that this is what he has spoken, then in your waiting, know that his promise will come. It's worth waiting for. The Holy Spirit is worth waiting for because they waited 10 days. They didn't give up on the first day. They didn't give up on the second day. They didn't say, come on, John, it's been three days. I mean, the Lord even rose after three days. Why do we have to keep waiting? There was an anticipation. Why? The Lord told us. The Lord told us he would come. And they knew that they could believe in what Jesus had said because he had promised. And then after, when he had died, he told them that he would come again. And just before going to the Father, he revealed himself to them to assure them that he was for sure alive and so now they have that assurance within them we know that we can believe in Jesus we know that we can believe his word because he appeared to us and so now the Holy Spirit is worth waiting for we know that his promises uh, the Lord's if the Lord is promised then he will come the other thing that we could know from just this one aspect, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. We could know that the gift of the Holy Spirit comes as he wills and not according to our expectations. As he wills and as he wills is always best. We also know that he can come upon an individual, but not just an individual, also a group. Did we witness that Sunday morning? There were individuals that were praying and being blessed, but as a group, we were all being blessed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was moving corporately as well as individually. And so we learned right here, we haven't even gotten past verse 1. We learned that the Holy Spirit is a promise. We learned that he's worth waiting for. We learned that he comes as he wills and not according to our expectations and that he could come on an individual but also a group. Just by pausing and thinking about when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing just to get to verse 2. Pause and think about what you read. So that you can get the full picture. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 said, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 4.31 
And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 10.44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. This supports the Holy Spirit can fall on an individual and the Holy Spirit could fall on a group. So Sunday morning, individually, somebody could be blessed, but equally the whole group could experience a blessing. We see it in God's word. The gift of the Holy Spirit is often given as God deals with our flesh that is dying to ourself. Tell me something. The Holy Spirit's going to come and work on you. Do you think that the Holy Spirit will leave you the same? If the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples to empower them to be a witness... Could they remain the same? Think about Peter. We said it Sunday morning. How did this guy who was a denier of being with Jesus, who was timid to even acknowledge least his life beyond the line, now become a bold preacher? So the Holy Spirit will not leave you the same. If you encountered the Holy Spirit, you could know this. There is something in you he is going to change. One, a, few, a couple things this passage does not tell us about the Holy Spirit. It's not given, the Holy Spirit is not a gift that is given according to a formula. I've said that. And nor could we earn the Holy Spirit in, okay, I've, I've prayed this many hours th today, and therefore I'm going to earn the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's go back to the text. They were all together in one place. So, what happened? They gathered together, they were sharing the same heart, they were sharing the same trust. They were sharing the same geography. They were in the, together in one place. In order for that to take place, they had to be in one heart. They had to be unified in their trust. They had to be unified in believing that what Jesus said would happen would actually happen. They had to be there corporately together. That's why coming to church is actually good. Some people say, well, you don't have to go to church to experience Jesus. No, you don't. But it's good that you do. Because when you're together in one place, as we see here in our text, when they were together in one place, that coming together, sharing faith together, sharing trust together, sharing the same heart, there comes a blessing that you may not experience the same as when you're on your own. So coming together is necessary and the, they had to walk in obedience as well because Jesus said to go and tarry in Jerusalem, go and wait in Jerusalem. If they had not obeyed Jesus in, in saying go and wait, they would not have had that experience. What are you missing out on because you're not obeying? Or what have you missed out on because you didn't obey? Because sometimes 
Oftentimes, all the time, hindsight is twenty twenty. So what didn't you obey that now you see you missed out on? Obedience brings that blessing, right? And so they came together in obedience to what Jesus said and that they were together in that place. And what happened? It goes on, verse 2 of this same chapter says, Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I want to pause here for one second. It says... It was a sound like. How many of you have read that passage and read, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and pictured a wind blowing into the room? How many of you equated a wind and then there was, and that was what took place in the room? That maybe it was a wind that caused it to shake. That maybe it was a wind that caused the, the shutters or something on the windows to shake. How many of you read it and pictured that? But it was a sound like a wind. That, that word like is very important and yet we roll over it and we go, Oh yeah, the Holy Spirit is a wind. And so therefore I should experience a breeze. Well, the wind is, yes, we're going to look into that, but we don't want to miss what the text is saying. Matt, um, Luke, as he is writing this text, he understands his audience. The, the, the New Testament is written much in the Greek, is written in the Greek, but the audience is much of the Hebrew. Much of them are, 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 are the Jews. And so, uh, and, um, why do I keep on calling him Andrew? Because I have a brother, Andrew, and a son named Luke. And, and I'm tri <laughs> tripping over the two of them tonight. But Luke knew his audience. And so he is, he is uh, bringing us to the attention of it was like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. There suddenly came from heaven a sound. So some of us might see this as something unusual, likening the Holy Spirit to a sound. Well, no, that's not unusual. Like I said, and uh, Luke understands the audience. And so in the Hebrew, ruach, R-U-A-C-H, is the Hebrew word that depicts spirit, breath, wind. Okay, and so we see in Exodus chapter uh, 13, Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land and that, um, that was there all day and all night. We also see the word ruach that would de uh, describe spirit. In 1 Kings 18 and 12, uh, when when Elijah was coming and uh, uh, Ahab had sent Obadiah, go see. And um, this is what happened. The verse 12 says, And as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord. What happened? The Spirit of the Lord here was described in the same word as Ruach. The same word that was used in Exodus to describe the wind that blew over the land. But then Job uses Ruach 
rock, and he, dis, he translates it as breath. And he says this, Job 12.10, In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Okay? So understanding his audience, it's not odd that, that it would be described as a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, because he understands that wind would carry the sound of ruach. It's also de describing the spirit and it's also describing the breath of God. We talked Sunday morning about the breath of God. Man was just a form, was just a uh, um, flesh and blood but he was not a living creation until the lord what breathed into him the breath of god what happened in ezekiel 37 in the valley of dry bones when all those bones came together they stood as a form of men but they lacked what they lacked the breath and it wasn't until the spirit of god when when uh, god said to him speak to the wind that they became a living army and so let's go back to verse two suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting don't miss what the holy spirit is doing so what do we find out here? This verse tells us five key things about the Holy Spirit. There is a suddenly. There is a suddenly. Did we expect Sunday morning in the middle that the Holy Spirit should decide that he is going to demonstrate himself? No, there is a suddenly. The next thing, there is or can be a sound it's real it's not something that can be touched but it can be heard by the ears so according to this text the holy spirit there is a sound there also the next thing is there is a point of direction it came from where from heaven so there was a suddenly there was a sound that sound had a direction that direction was from heaven and then there was what there is a strength this sound was mighty it was full of force it came with great power power and there is a, the fifth thing. There is an action. What did this Holy Spirit do? There is an action. It filled. That action, it filled. When it fills, whenever there is a filling, there is an overflowing. So there are the five things. There is the suddenly. There is the sound. There is the direction. I'm going to have to get this mic fixed. There is the direction. There is a strength. And there is an action. So five things you could expect. All five, you can expect three out of the five. But you can expect something to define the Holy Spirit's presence. So as this sound announces the coming of the Holy Spirit, 
As this sound makes the announcement of the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's two other signs that took place. So the Holy Spirit can confirm, my announcement has been made by the suddenly a rushing wind. My announcement has been made because it came from the direction of heaven. Now... There's a confirmation. Now there is the announcement of the presence, the, co the confirming, and it's in verse 3. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So we have two things that happen. The tongues of fire and the resting. The tongues of fire and the resting of the Holy Spirit upon them. So these tongues of fire that appeared over all of them must have been what uh, John declared in Matthew 3.11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? fire this part verse 3 confirms what john declared he will baptize you with holy spirit and fire why because we had the suddenly we had the sound we had the direction we had the the force, and we had the action now we have the tongues as a fire and those tongues of fire rested. What's the purpose of fire? Purifying. That's right. Purifying. Anything else? To burn, that's right. So when, when, fi when fire is going to purify something such as gold, if gold is going to be in the, in the purifying, in, in the fire, how does the, the, um, the goldsmith, right? How does the goldsmith know when the gold is ready? When he looks into the fire and he is able to see his own image. Then he knows that the gold is ready. This is why I said to you earlier that when the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life and he's going to invade your life, may you could know that you know that you know you will not come out the same. You could know that you will know he will make an impression upon you the impression is the reflection of his image he will work with he will work in you he will do whatever he needs to do until he sees yes i see the reflection of me coming from them and this is the work of the holy spirit Fire burns. It burns away what is temporary. It burns away what is not necessary. When I was going the other day uh, to fill up with gas, I said to my mother, look at that house that has, that, um, has burned down as a result of the fire. All that was left was the skeleton of the, the frame of the home. But you could see the char all around the frame. What 
took place. What was inside that house was all consumed, but the frame of the house remained. It just showed the charring, the burning, right? So when the Holy Spirit comes, what is inside of you that is not bringing glory to God? What is inside of you that is holding back from receiving all that God has from you for you? What is inside of you that just needs to be chiseled away and done away with those past hurts, those broken things, those, those areas that just need a touch from him, they will be burned away so that the image of Christ can be seen. What is God's view on the, on the fire? Remember um, when, when the... Um, when, when uh, Elijah was going against the prophets of Baal, and, and it was like, if God be God, and, and, he, and they were praying that, that Baal would consume their sacrifice, and their sacrifice wasn't being consumed, and what did, what did Elijah uh, say? He said, uh, in verse 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then what happened? The fire of the Lord, verse 38, fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Why? Because Elijah had poured water on it. And if God be God, that what, what, um, wood that is wet can be burned what wood that is wet can catch fire but if God be God let him consume this and when God showed himself real that that wood caught fire that sacrifice was received that even the water dried up and so what happens when these disciples had that experience of the cloven tongues of fire upon their head do you know what I believe happened here it's just Melody's heart can I share it with you okay so they were all in this one place they were all trusting the Lord together they were all sharing the same space they were all sharing the same faith and then what happens the Holy Spirit shows up as tongues of fire and he rests upon each of them and so I'm picturing this in myself as he is resting upon them that fire though it's not burning them okay that because it's as cloven tongues of fire so it's looking as fire okay like it sounded like when okay so that fire as it rests upon them i believe this romans 12 and 1 i i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship i believe that god showed his pleasure in what they had done as they had come together as one in that place together and they shared trust together and they shared their faith and they shared that same environment as they came together and they offered themselves as a sacrifice because he said go and wait so that you would be empowered to go and tell and as they said okay Lord in the literal sense of going and waiting, that's surrendering themselves to his will, they became that living sacrifice. 
that Romans 12 and 1 says, that they became that living sacrifice. Instead of, in, in um, Elijah's case, God, if you're God, come and consume this. They didn't challenge God. God, if you're God and the Holy Spirit is real, as you said, Jesus, he was going to be, then come and show up with some fire here so that we know. No, the Holy Spirit came and demonstrated for himself the fire that he was, and they were that living sacrifice. I believe in my heart that God showed his special pleasure in their themselves presenting themselves as a living sacrifice of Romans 12 and 1. So now when we look at the Holy Spirit and we see what we're only on verse 3, do you see how much more you can see of what he's doing? When you just pause and read the verse and think, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What do these, what does this, these tongues as a fire appear? What, what were you speaking about in the fire? What are you actually doing with your disciples in this moment as you appear as this fire. I'm coming to burn everything in your life that doesn't represent me. Everything that has happened to you that never was of my purposes. Everything that has gone wrong. Everything, I am just burning it all away. I'm receiving your life as a living sacrifice that my Holy Spirit can go and empower you to go and be my examples. That when and people would look upon you that they would be drawn to me for the work that I have done in you. How do we know this to be true? Well, look at Acts 2. Actually, just before we go, well, okay, let's look at Acts 2 and then I'll say this. Acts 2 verses 4 to 13. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying... Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it began to name all those languages. There's 15 or so of them just named here. Prithians, Mede, Amalamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phil yeah, and so jumping to verse 11, both Jews and, and proselytes, Cretans, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? So that when people look at you, your life is a living representative of the Jesus that is dwelling within you. That the Holy Spirit will point us to Jesus who points us to the Father. So when someone looks at you and sees the, the, the image of Jesus, to look at Peter and to see him in a moment preaching the way that he preached, this could only be the work of of God in his life. It could only be the work of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire rested upon him. And I believe in that resting upon him, he was doing the work in him that needed to be done. 
And so what do we see? These disciples were filled in the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus made. They were filled as they received in faith because they went believing Jesus will, full, will come through. They were filled in God's timing because they waited. They were filled when? As they were together. Why? Because they were in unity of heart. And they were filled in unusual ways. And you know what? We can expect the Holy Spirit to show up in unusual ways. It's not always going to be the same way, but it can be very much an unusual way. Unusual meaning different ways. Different. So we, couldn't, we can't cookie cutter. Co- cookie cut? You all know what I'm saying, right? We can't cookie cut the situation and, and shape it to how it should be. But Jesus evidently knew that it was better for him to go because of what the Holy Spirit needed to do because he said to them in John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So it was necessary for Jesus to go so that we can have this experience with the Holy Spirit. Some, Some people don't believe that the experience of the Holy Spirit is for today it is necessary and it is very much for today why because the holy spirit is god's plan for our empowerment that we can go into all the world why because in mark 16 verse 17 he said these these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them and they will lay hands lay their hands on the sick and they will recover so we can expect the holy spirit to represent himself for our empowerment that we can go forth and do the work that god has called us to do so we see these people quickly i'm going to um just close this we see them all of a sudden they hear Uh, There is a sound that was heard in Jerusalem just as the disciples heard a sound like a rushing wind. Those that were gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, for the celebration of Pentecost, also heard a sound because it said, and at this sound... Now, some of us may draw to the conclusion, oh, that's just the sound of speaking in tongues. No, I don't believe so. I believe in part as they gathered closer to where the disciples were, the sound was, yes, them speaking in tongues because it confirms later on as they began to hear it in their own language. But I believe also was the sound of the rushing wind. The announcement was made for all to hear because I remember some years ago I brought my kids to Florida to Cape Canaveral where you can experience um, uh, seeing how the the um, men go into space and all the paraphernalia the this the shuttles and so forth and it's really very cool but while we were there one of the shuttles or or um 
what was coming back into Earth's orbit. Now, here's the thing I was not prepared for. When they come into orbit, there is a sonic boom. A sonic boom like you could never, I can't even describe it, but in the, as my kids were waiting on the porch to see, now we were some 30 miles away from the actual city where it took place, but what you can see is like a little, 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 little remote looking ball of fire far off in the distance, but never mind what you see, because that's just the engine, right? Never mind what you see, it was the sound of when that shuttle, when that spacecraft entered into Earth's orbit. When it changed from that atmosphere into the Earth's atmosphere, there was a boom that made the whole condominium shake. That made, it was just a boom. And I jumped because I was not expecting it. And I said to myself, if the Holy Spirit was like the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and then they heard the sound, those that were there, they didn't just hear the disciples speaking in tongues. They responded to the sound. They were drawn to the area, I believe. And as they were drawn there, now they hear men praising and talking to God in a language that they can understand. The Holy Spirit did not only announce his coming to the disciples as they were gathering, but to those that were in Jerusalem I am here I am here don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing just to rush ahead to get to verse 5 to get to verse 10 but get capture what is happening there came from heaven a sound and then when we go back to the passage we read and they heard the sound the multitudes came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I believe that they were drawn to the sound as the Holy Spirit was, as the Lord said, now go. I promised them that you would come. I promised them that I would send you. Now go. And as he came... There was the sound. What is that sound? And all drawn to that sound. And as they get there, they get to hear the message of the Lord. Don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. Sunday morning, I said to you, as I, I felt a shift, and as I felt a shift, I looked and all the words on my page were just letters. But there was something that I heard from the back of the room. And that was a cry out. Could I say specifically who it was? No. But I heard from the back a cry out. I felt the shift. I looked. Everything's just letters and, and, a, and a cry out. They came, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. This is what the crowds heard. And their question was, what does it mean? Next week, we're going to look at what Peter preached to them, what Peter said to them. But when 
they were there. Some of them were mocking and some of them were saying, ah, they're all drunk. And that's exactly what happens even to this day, that the spirit of God begins to move and some are in disbelief. Well, what's all this show about? Well, what's the big deal? I didn't really notice anything that different. But those that were entombed, those that heard the sound, that were drawn, and then those that listened, those that listened, then heard the praises of God. Those that were drawn to the sound and showed up, well, what's everybody running around here for? I don't know what they're running. Okay, well, let's, and they all followed. They got there. They were the mockers. But those that heard the sound and then listened when they got there and heard the language and heard their, in their own native language, praise God. Glory to God. They heard people worshiping him in their own language and their hearts were hungry. What does this mean? Tell me more. Tell me more about this God you're worshiping. Tell me more about this Jesus. I, I, I want to experience that. That is what drew me. You have heard me tell the story. When I was a young girl at 13, the reason why I wanted to experience a baptism of the Holy Spirit was because I saw how it was demonstrated on two women and how the Holy Spirit just took right over. And I recognized at 13 that there was a very real power that that they encountered and I wanted it. And I believe that that's what happened in Jerusalem. Because now all of a sudden these Galileans who couldn't even properly articulate English. If you go into the history of the Galilean people, they are not one who speak properly, are now all of a sudden able to articulate a language that they didn't even know. That has to be God. That has to be the working power of a Holy Spirit to be able to articulate a language you, you've never spoken before when you don't even have a grip of your own language and people mock you for the way you speak your own language. Why can't you say that word properly? But these Galileans who did not have articulation, who didn't have a refined way of speaking, now were able to praise God in languages that they never spoke before. That has to be the Holy Spirit. Don't miss what he's doing. There was a sound like a rushing wind, but that sound drove and drew people there. And as they came, they heard the message. Why? Because the Holy Spirit then gave him the ability to speak Greek, Latin, Hebrew, and, and, and the ability just flowed. I need you to speak this man's language. That one's here. And only 15 languages were represented in the passage as we read it. But there was more languages there spoken. There was 120 of them. So we know that there was some languages that were just uh, maybe not yet known, but would be known today. We also know that there was in those, in amongst those very real languages of the land that were spoken during that time, there was a language that was only intimate between God and that individual. Because we still have that today.
But next week we will pick up as we go into Peter's response, this timid guy who was ashamed to say he was with Christ has now experienced the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit transforms him. Are you ready to be transformed? Because there will be a burning, but that burning will be such a sweet sacrifice to the Lord. It will be such a beautiful sacrifice to him because he will look at you and say, there I am. There's my reflection. For him, it will be as though he's looking in a mirror. And I promise you this, when he's done, you will not be the same, but you will be better. You will be better. When, when the Lord is done moving in this house, and I don't expect him ever to be done because I'm, I expect it to go like this. The Lord will move in his house and we will be caught up. But the people around will know the reflection of Jesus in us. The reflection of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your passages. Thank you for the truth of your word, O oh God. I pray that, Lord, as we go home and we just ruminate on everything that we've heard and we think upon these things, Holy Spirit, would you just make it more real to us, even as we reread the passages. Lord, just speak to our hearts the truths that you want to speak individually to each of us. Lord, you know those that are watching online and you know those that are here tonight. You know what you want to do in each of us. You know what you've called each of us to do. So God, have your way as we just get to know your Holy Spirit more and more in the next coming weeks. Lord, would you reveal yourself more and more to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. Well, God bless you for joining us online on YouTube and Instagram. Pastor Dino will be here tomorrow morning. Uh, stay tuned. And uh, we'll be here Sunday morning. Come and join us. You won't be disappointed. I know that God will reveal himself to you. God bless you and be with you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>